this is not your mother's middle age. No longer is waking up each day, living the wash, rinse, and repeat cycle acceptable. We have the life lessons, the relationships, the wins, and the losses with which to navigate to our highest self without hesitation and without fear leading the way. We have been there and done that, and so we have so much to offer the world and each other. So join me on this journey speaking to ordinary women doing extraordinary things for new insights, new ideas, new medical breakthroughs, and new life lessons. You will be inspired to find your best life here and now. My name is Wendy Charles McGuire, and this is your Second Wind Podcast. Second Wind, welcome. Change how you think and change your life through reinvention and finding who you truly are. Okay, sounds great, right? But how do you do that? Meet my guest today, V. Lynn Hawkins. V. Lynn is a certified hypnotherapist, a wealth dynamics and assessment coach, as well as an entrepreneurial spirit who is a visibility and impact digital marketer. Mouthful, but it's all good stuff. And oh, by the way, she's super intuitive, which puts a whole different spin on all of this. Lynn has had many pivotal moments in her life that have all helped lay the path for what she offers us all now. Change your thinking, change your life, and find out who you are. Welcome, V-Lynn. Thank you, Wendy. It's so great to be here with you today. Thank you for inviting me. You know, finally, we're getting to this. We've each had things come up and then technical difficulties. And now, um, now you've just had a birthday a couple of days ago. We are now into August 2022, and you are now, how I old are am, you? I was. I turned 68 on July 30th. So I am in my 68th summer, and I am so blessed and grateful to be here to celebrate the year that is coming and the years that are beyond here. Oh, I love how you said that. You also said, I've had 68 turns around yeah. the sun. I love that. And of course, you look like you're well, 30. Thank but you for anyway, that too. <laughs> that's because of how you intuitively eat. And we're going to get to that. So let's start with that moment, that biggest thing that you would call your second wind that sent you on a different path. Wow. Um, as you said, there have been many pivotal moments in my life. And the biggest right. one was something that you always think that you get to formulate the dream and, you know, move towards it. And, you know, if you choose to do something differently, then that's one thing, but you're typically moving in that direction. And that's kind of where I was. Mm -hmm. And one day I got a phone call. My sister called to tell me the news that my son had been killed in a motorcycle accident. And if it had just been her, I probably would have really thought that it was just untrue. She was pranking me. She, you know, what a horrible joke. But she had gotten around her for her own mental support. People that I knew loved both of us. And 
after I said that, what is this? Are you guys playing a joke on me? And she's like blubbering and everybody else is like just not themselves. I knew that it was not a joke. I knew that it was something serious. And I just broke down, right? Because. So all these people are in the room with her while well, she's she, calling yeah, you? So I ended up, she said, come over here right now. Just, I'm like, what's wrong? Are you okay? She's like, just get here now. And so okay. I jumped in my car. I went over. I go in and my nephew is there. My adopted sister and brother are there. And I can tell that something's not right, but. I'm just, I'm not believing that I'm walking into something as devastating as it was. And as right. devastating as it was to hear the news that my daughter had phoned, they'd been trying to reach me, but she reached my sister who finally reached me. I'd been out on a bike ride, so I hadn't, I didn't have my phone. And uh, when I got home and saw the message, I immediately called and that's when all of this started. And so I'm over her house and she's telling me this. And I said, you know what? I even see you upset and all. I said, but what am I supposed to do with this information? And as soon as I mm. said that her phone rang, it was my daughter. And my daughter's on the other end of the phone and she's hysterical, crying and telling me this news. And I said, okay. I'm coming to you because I was in California at the time in the uh, Palo Alto Mountain View area and she was living in Atlanta. So I said, I'm coming to you. I don't know how, but I will get there. And then what did she say to you? What did she say? Like, what did you hear? I heard that my son was dead. And oh I didn't hear too much about how it happened outside of it being a motorcycle accident. And I immediately went to unbelief because I had friends growing up and as a young adult who had motorcycles. One friend was killed. Two of my other friends were badly maimed. And I told my kids, you know, why get a motorcycle? I mean, why? You hear like once a month, somebody's getting killed in a motorcycle accident. Right. But my son had a bunch of his friends. It was like eight of them had gone on a ride. It was Saturday in the States. It was Sunday in Japan where he was living at the time. And uh, the eight of them all had bikes. They all went on a group ride. They get back and two of them decide to go on another short ride. And it started drizzling while they were out there. And what I understand is a car came and there was this whatever and the accident occurred and he ended up hitting a tree and broke his spine in three places. And I think about all of the mothers who have lost their sons and daughters to motorcycle accidents. And I think I know their pain, but I know that I, mm. I took it a step further because I've always loved fast cars. I mean, I love fast cars. I bought fast cars. I drove fast cars. I've driven the 
Atlanta Motor Speedway before. I took lessons on how to drive the track. And I know that some of that exhilarating excitement got passed on to my kids. And I kind of felt like it had been my fault that that had occurred. Oh, gee. So it was a lot for me to process initially. And that came a little later. It came in immediately, but I was able to move it out of the way. Talk about intuition because my priority was getting to my daughter because we thought we were going to have to go to Japan. Right. And um, found out that my son's half-brother and his aunt, my ex-husband's sister, were on their way to visit him. They were already on their way to visit him. And so I actually call him my stepson. He actually been through law school and just, you know, an amazing, you know, wise beyond his years, 26 year old at the time. I was able to give him power of attorney and he worked with everyone in Japan to get all the medical records. And my son was a Marine. So he even was the liaison for me connecting with the Marine lieutenants. And actually it was a superior officer that I was able to deal with in making the arrangements to get my son here. They had a memorial service for him in Japan. Over 200 people came. Just astounding for a guy 33 to have made that kind of impact where that number of people would come out to be a part of celebrating you. In a foreign country. In a foreign country. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, for me, I was able to think about, you know, what needed to be here, done here on the ground and notifying family and friends. And we had the funeral. And um, one of the things that my daughter and I talked about early on was our concern about my oldest grandson, because my son fought in Japanese court to get sole custody of him because his mother just wasn't in the right frame to be a mom at the time. And so we, you know, he wanted us to raise him. And so we did. And so the family that we had in Japan and my nephew and my sister-in-law all came back at the same time with my son's body. The Marine Corps had his body shipped from the airport to the funeral home. I mean, the Marine Corps was amazing in what they brought to the table to assist in the whole process. A full mm -hmm. military burial. He's at the National Cemetery here north of Atlanta in uh, Canton, Georgia. And, you know, so we get to go periodically and hang out and talk to him and feel him flying around and stuff. <laughs> oh, wow. But talk about pivotal moments. That was a pivotal moment for me because I was just really starting to feel like my business was going in the direction that I wanted it. I was doing less pushing and more in flow. 
And then to have it, I felt just like blow up. Even though I had clients who were like, look, you take as much time as you need to. We're just going to put this on hold. And when you get back to a work as an outlet, let us know we're here. We're ready to pick up and keep going. And so two of the four clients that I had at the time, I was able to, you know, a couple months later say, okay, things have settled down. The kid's in school. I've got some time. I don't want to sit here doing nothing because I moved across country. It actually took- Yeah, you, you, like in a day, you said, okay, well, I'm going to go move in with my single daughter with my grandson and here we go. I actually thought I was coming here to go to Japan and, you know, get my grandson and get everything taken care of. And I was going back to California, but it took me a month and a half before I got back to California. And when I went back, I gave away stuff. I sold stuff and I packed, I came back to Atlanta with 17 boxes and a couple of suitcases. And that was my life. Wow. So talk about, you know, in the blink of an eye, life changing and having the ability to start over again. I really had to assess what am I doing? Where am I going from here? He, my grandson was 10 at the time. So I knew that at least for the next eight years, I was pretty tied to this new family nucleus, which Wendy, it was one of the best healing experiences I could have ever dreamed of because we had each other to help each other to move through this next stage of really finding, redefining who we were. My grandson's first language was Japanese, so English was his second language. And today he's fluent in English and Japanese. And he's worked in Japan, he had a summer job in Japan. I mean, so life has afforded us so many things. And, you know, I don't know how many people really think about how connected we are to the spiritual world. But if you believe that everything is energy, even when we leave this physical body, we are still the energetic persona. That's how past lives and reincarnations occur. And we've just labeled them those words because those are words that we pretty much can understand. But if our essence is still here, why not come into a new you know, human form and do something that is purposeful and meaningful. I think about the essence of those who've gone before me that I am, you know, we are not just our mom and our dad. We are everyone that's a part of our DNA that decides to emerge as we are evolving as people, as individuals. And so my journey has been a lot of that. Because just before all of this started happening, I really learned about energy, just everything about energy. I mean, I know people who can make objects move because they have that kind of energetic connection to and can create that connection to objects. 
You know, you think about somebody and then 10 minutes later, they call you. That happens. That's an energetic connection that, yes, we all have the potential to live in. And so, yeah, that's, you know, and talking to our higher selves, you know, that's something that we understand because we all have these conversations going on and sometimes something drops and it's like really good. And it's like, yes, I got that. But that was part of the energetic connection that you actually have, that you're open to that allows that flow. And flow is, you know, you talked about my being a wealth dynamics coach and wealth dynamics really is about the energy and flow in business. And because of who we are and how we, our preferences you know, whether you're introverted or extroverted, whether you're the star person who stands out in the crowd or the introvert who really loves the numbers and, you know, you just thrive in that space or the person who is really creative, who can hear ideas about what somebody wants and then bring something really creatively to reality that is the reality of what they dreamed of, you know, or even yourself. So that's part of that whole understanding of energy and how we relate in flow and what it feels like to not be in flow. You know, it's not just when you're sick, if you're confused about something, flow, blocked. If you are in a relationship with someone and you know you reach a point where you're just not communicating well something's blocking the flow there and when you understand right. that it's easy to reopen the flow because you know the right questions to ask yourself you know the right questions to ask someone else and everything comes to a higher level when understanding and wisdom are supporting it so would you say, Phelan, you weren't always intuitive like that, were you? Or did things have to kind of hit you over the head? I know you have this one incident that kind of freaks me out that you talked about when you were, before your son died, a couple years before that, you were in a shoe store. What happened? It's really interesting because... In hindsight, I can see that I was intuitive. Yeah. I can see that I was that even as a child, they have, depending on the type of intuitive and empathic child you are, there's certain names mm -hmm. for them. And indigo is the name of a type of child. And there's types of indigo children, but they are children that, you know, we often call our wise beyond their years. You know, a five-year-old that can sit there and have a conversation with a group of adults and sound like he or she is one of those adults. That is a right, special right. child that has this intuitive nature that's been nurtured to thrive. And that was me up until my dad died. I was seven. And from that point forward for many, many years, all I heard was words that shut it down, that, you know, go sit in a corner, 
Go to your room. Children are not to be heard or seen. Go away. And because your father died, that's the new kind of energy. Yes. The energy that I received or that I was in was not the nurturing energy that allowed me to ask the questions because I was so intuitive and inquisitive. It didn't allow okay. me to imagine anymore. I was encouraged to read books, but then when I asked questions about, well, do you think this might have happened? And what if that could have happened? Then I was crazy. And as a child, somebody, you know, is telling you you're crazy, you tend to want to, you know, maybe I'm crazy, you know, especially if it's somebody that you trust that's supposed to be caring for you and, you know, loving you. And, you know, unless it's your older brother who's going to do that to you anyway. <laughs> Right, right. So, yeah, and I just held all of that. I I brought it in and I held it in. I did more observing than I did sharing me. And I really felt that, you know, at one point something was wrong with me. I spent 7 years in Toastmasters International which is an organization that helps people to learn how to do public speaking. Seven years before I felt like I had gotten enough and felt confident enough that not only did I have something to say, but I could say it in an articulate way that people could understand me, that I had something to say that was valuable when I had something to say. So you were looking for outside sources to validate because that outside for you. sources had done such a good job in squashing it. It was like they helped me believe that it needed to be put in a box. And the only person that had the key was somebody on the outside that could unlock the box. And what I realized was even though they unlocked it, it was up to me to open the box. And that's what Toastmasters did for me. They taught me enough that that was the key to opening the box, but I had to do the work to open the box. So that is also what started me on the big jumps in my career because okay. I then was able to sit at the conference table with my superiors and sometimes their superiors. I was invited in those meetings and express. Well, at that time you were a real yes. estate lender mm -hmm. and okay. commercial real estate lender. So we were collaborating, okay. doing multi-million dollar deals on properties. And I actually mm -hmm. ended up being the lead and executive management for a division of the mortgage banking firms that I worked for that were really the revenue generating business divisions. You know, we were the multi-million dollar a year revenue stream in the entire company. And I worked for the banks. I worked for Fannie Mae for eight and a half years. You know, so these weren't just like your corner you know, we do commercial lending. No, I did construction lending 
And, you know, I was in a position where my kids were coming out of high school and it's like, you got to get a job. And my son went in the Marine Corps, but before him, my daughter was like, well, what do I want to do? Can I come work for you? I was like, yeah, you can't work for me, but you can work in my department and I'll put you with a supervisor so that you're not reporting to me that way. It's all good. Don't you know that she did that her senior year in high school? She also did that all throughout college. So winter break, spring break, summer break, she was at my company working. And today she is doing the same work. She has worked her way up the ladder to where she is a vice president in, you know, a major revenue line doing and her specialty, what she fell in love with was low income tax credit deals. And those are pretty intense deals. So, you know, I'm like, amazing. She is part of her company's commercial real estate women's networking group. She's one of the founders of the group. She's part of commercial real estate women in Georgia. She's just like, you know, and this is where I started. This is where I brought her in. So, you know, we never know who it is that we influence as we're doing our thing. Just the other day, a friend of mine took me to lunch, who's also in the industry, but really my, my daughter's friend, they used to work together and I just adopted her as another daughter, went to lunch with her. And she was like, somebody now works for our company who said you gave him your his first job in the industry. And he so admires you and is grateful to you and, you know, all this stuff. And I have heard that a couple of times come back to me, which has been so rewarding because, again, you know, we think that we've got our challenges in life and we're just doing the best that we can do and we're doing our job. And it really is in how we're doing our job. And, you know, I take, I go back to the shoe store incident and it was right after a time where, you know, years later, so almost 35 years and I said, I'm done, which is when I started my business coaching career. What made you decide you were done? Cause you were doing really well. What made you decide you were done? I mean, that's a key thing here. You know, Wendy, I had been in a lot of spaces as not just the only woman in the room, but the only African-American and the only woman. And I go back to this energy. And it was an energy that I was done with having people to say. Were you always like fighting? Were you always kind of fighting to get your voice heard? I was. Did it always feel like an antagonistic situation? I was. And I had applied for a new position and couldn't get an interview. And I went and asked the guy. I'm like, I'm interested in doing this. What's up? We going to talk? And he's like, no, I don't think you're right for the position. I was like, really? I've only got 30 years under my belt. and you know, I'm talking about doing something new, which, yeah, is probably going to be a little bit of a challenge for me, but I'm ready for this now. And 
So it was getting more into sales. So commercial real estate sales. And I was doing it. I was working with a broker producer and I was doing the sales. I was licensed, but I was doing the sales too. I was doing the contracts. I was having the negotiations. I was like, you know, I, I hear what you're asking for. I don't think that's going to happen, but think about this. And I think that this is something that I can sell them if this is what you want. I can start with asking for what you want. And then, you know, if I hear that's not going to work, then I've got a suggestion that you've already heard and maybe are good with. I mean, I was there. And he wasn't even going to entertain the idea. Okay, well, good. So you're like, all right, that's the signal you needed. The market changed and they needed to lay off some people. And I was like, you know what? At first I was, excuse my French, but I was pissed because I was like hardest working person, you know, overqualified for the work that I was doing anyway. And you're going to lay me off. Okay, thank you. I'm going to take this. And I immediately went into prayer and I, I got what I call the green light to go ahead and, and start my own business and do coaching. And what was that green light? Like, how, what did that look like for you? Because we all sit there and think, okay, well, what's next? And we can ponder and find what it is you want to do. What did you, what did you hear? I heard in the waking up one morning saying, today is your day. Really go ahead. This is about a pivotal moment. This is going to be... <laughs> a real growth opportunity for you. You know, I want, I thought I wanted to do sales. It was like, this was a whole nother dimension to what it was that I wanted in my life. And what was really nice about it was that I could work with the people I wanted to work with. I could work when I wanted to work. I really loved the networking that an entrepreneur does to make connections, to establish relationships, to grow self and help others. So you thought, I'm just going to kind of market myself as someone who can help people do what? So I mentioned I was a licensed real estate broker. So I found another broker that I put my license under who allowed me the flexibility that I wanted to do the work that I wanted. And I started working with women who were looking for commercial real estate to lease or needing to downsize or, you know, I'm in this space. I want to bring more people in to share the space or I want to add new products and you know, I want to do inventory. How do I do all of this? What am I looking for? I helped some women to look at the inventory. One woman had so much inventory in her store. I was like, you don't need to buy any more inventory. Let's work on a campaign that you are really getting out the inventory that you have now and make room for the flow. Little did I know then, but I knew intuitively Get ready for the flow of more to come in, higher quality inventory. And she was doing retail and some of the stuff she had designed herself. 
But I said, people can't even see what you've designed yourself and know that you're a designer because you've got all this other stuff in here and it's not paying the bills because it's just sitting here. You've spent money on it. So it was that kind of stuff that I was able to do. You were kind of finding your way with who was in front of you exactly. with your skill sets, right? When did the shoe store thing happen? It was in the beginning of 2011. I'll say spring of okay. 2011 because it was really nice outside. And I'm just, you know, had taken the afternoon. I'm just strolling around. I was going to a networking event later that afternoon. And I'm in the store. And I'm just looking, and you know how they're laid out with the rows. And this woman I see is coming towards me, and then she turns around and goes back. And then she's coming towards me, and by this time, I'm like, do I have something on my face? You know, what's up? It was obvious that there was something about you that was yes. bringing her towards you. And so yeah. the third time she came over, she said, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I, she said, I, I probably already seem like a crazy person, but I promise you I'm not. She said, but I do have something to share with you if you're open to it. And I was like, you know, at this point, I'm curious, but I'm also guarded. I've got my energy protected. And I didn't even realize all of this at that point in time. But intuitively I had my energy protected. I was like, sure, of course, you know, I never know where God is going to send wisdom to me from. So I am always open to that. And I said that to her and she said, well, thank you for that. She said, because I made a promise that when I got a download of something that I was supposed to share with someone, I would do it. I wouldn't walk away from it. And she, okay. she said, I tried. You saw me. I tried. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to duck out. And yeah. so she said, may I share this with you? And I said, of course, please. And she said, I'm supposed to tell you that you are a light worker, that you have an important message and an important job to do and to not let anybody stop you or anything stop you to know that you're here and you're important. Now, did I know what all of that meant? And did I think that she was kind of wonky after that? <laughs> I kind of did. I'm like, me? Me? you talking to me. I don't even know what a light worker is. Light worker, yeah. Yeah, and you, you got in your car to drive away, and what is going on in your mind? Exactly that. What is going on? So what is going on? In 2010, when I started really doing my business, I was like, I got to start networking. One of the first people that I met was a dear friend who, in fact, was a shaman. And so we became friends, and this was my go-to person of all questions, energetics, we all should have a shaman, I've decided. I would love my own shaman, but I do not have one yet. We'll show up for you. Trust me. <laughs> okay, start asking. So we were meeting at this networking event that I was telling you about. And I said, you know what? This is probably going to sound crazy, but let me tell you about what happened to me. So I told her 
And I was like, and what's really weird is I don't even know what a light worker is. What is a light worker? And she just chuckled. Right. She said, you really are a light worker. But she was like, you're someone who brings the energy of knowledge and awareness and love and compassion into the lives of others. You're a teacher, an educator. You're somebody who wants to help people. That's what a light worker does. And I was like, oh, okay. okay. So it didn't sound weird anymore, right? Doesn't sound weird, but it's like, okay, well, that all sounds... I mean, pretty cool. But what exactly. do you do with that? And that was my next question. Okay, so it doesn't sound weird anymore, but what do I do with that? And she told me, just keep doing what you're doing. And all okay. will be revealed to you. And I said, okay, well, that I know I can do because I had it in my mind, what I was going to do, how I was going to do it, where I was headed and just do what I'm doing. Okay. and. I did. And things were going really great. I found some great opportunities. I actually ran a couple of networking group meetings myself. I was part of some dynamic networking group meetings. I had great clients. And then 2012, my son dies. That's when that happened. Yep. So that you were kind of derailed. And so, you know, two, three months later, I could go back to these clients and did, and I worked for them for a while and we finished up projects. And then it was like, so now what? I was not networked here. Well, now you're in Georgia, right? Okay. You're raising this 10 year old and you still know you're supposed to be a light. Yeah. Worker. But what did that mean now? How do I do that now? Yeah. I had a church yeah. that I was going to, but I didn't know anybody at church. And it wasn't like people were just flocking around me saying, oh, who are you? <laughs> what do you do? That's the light. <laughs> it wasn't happening like that. It was okay. not. And so then it was like, so what do I do? And again, I got this beautiful download. Well, you did a business plan a couple of years ago. Pull out your business plan. See what you got. So is that just like a thought you had that just plopped into your head out of nowhere? I think it was another one of those. I woke up one morning and I heard it. You know, you've been asking what's next. Pull out your business plan. You know, because really? I did okay. a five-year business plan. I wasn't in my fifth year. As a matter of fact, I was just entering the third year. And so when I read okay. my business plan, I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. This is what's next. So my five-year plan. No, you already had in your five-year plan what you need to do. You didn't want to change well, it. It wasn't time. I was progressing the way that I had designed okay. it. Okay. And for me, okay. I mean, everything that I had written in my fifth year to do were things that were coming about. So my fifth year plan was to go more virtual, to do more things online. And back in 2012, 2013, you know, a lot of people didn't even know how to get online. Yeah. It, so for thing. me, it was like, that gives me the flexibility to stay home, to 
keep my connections that I'd made. I can communicate with my friends in California. I can still do business with people who are at that level of doing business. Mm -hmm. Zoom had just come about. I was an early adopter of Zoom. So I was in that space. I hated Skype. (laughs) So Zoom was really there for me. I had my business coaches coaching me via Zoom. I was coaching others via Zoom. I mean, all kinds of stuff was able to happen because of adopting my five-year plan in year three. And so again, you know, I'm thinking about, and I have shared this numerous times. You have a business plan. You never know how your business plan might serve you when you have it. Little did I know that when I did that, starting my business in 2010, that in 2012, 2013, I would just be like, what's happening? What's next? And to be able to go back to that and regain my footing, get a new direction. Wow. I got into a digital marketing class. I got mentored by someone who has worked for Evan Pagan and Tony Robbins and Jay Abraham. And she taught me a lot about the digital marketing space. And, you know, I didn't mention this, but since high school, I was doing grant writing. My mom actually taught me about grant writing because she decided as part of her journey, she was going to and started and ran this multi-million dollar nonprofit organization that she actually wrote grant applications for funds and got funded from local, state, and federal levels and a couple of foundations and churches. Um, That's a big deal. Having had my own charity, always wishing that I had had grants. Yeah. So, yeah. And grant writing. So she taught me, and, and then back then, you know, you had to go find the funding sources by going to the downtown central library in the basement to get these giant books to actually find the categories that you were looking at and then find the funding sources and read their requirements, make your notes of who to do, what they wanted, and the application criteria, because you know they didn't even have copiers for you to copy pages back then. And so I started right. out doing all of that for my mom. There oh, were a few times that she wow. had to send me back to the library to clean up my research because it was missing key elements. So that taught me a lot. And then I wanted to learn how to type. So I want to learn how to type better. I'll put it that way. So she did a lot of the grant application writing longhand and I would do the typing because she didn't type very well and I would type it up. And so I learned a lot about the strategy for making the request and I would type it up. And so as an adult, I worked for numerous nonprofits doing grant applications for them to help them to get funding and have had, you know, collectively millions of dollars to come in for their benefit. And in 2010, being in that space, I was also looking at crowdfunding because a lot of nonprofits were asking about crowdfunding. A lot of business owners were asking about crowdfunding the SEC was very stringent on crowdfunding for business. You had to have a million dollar net worth. You had, yeah, 
before you could invest in this? And it's like, well, you know, is that really crowdfunding or is that just investing in business? Right. And so the Obama Jobs Act opened up crowdfunding to small business where you did, you know, under a certain threshold, you did not have to go through the SEC requirements. And so that married a little bit of the nonprofit fundraising to corporate fundraising for small business. So I did events. Gotcha. I did just crowdfunding campaigns. I helped a lot of companies and individuals to create crowdfunding campaigns. I actually created my crowdfunding success blueprint because of the work that I did and the seven steps to crowdfunding success. And oh, wow. I still incorporate a lot of that into what I do now for healthpreneurs as far as yeah. you've got a book launch that leads to something else because just because you got a book doesn't mean that's going to drive the revenue that you want. You should have a program or a course or programs and courses, you know, and coaching programs and, you know, digital courses and all of the things that can keep your flow going. Mm -hmm. Those are the dynamics of creating wealth in business. And as women, as entrepreneurs, we typically get stopped in the space of, I have this gift, I want to do my work, and I don't understand these other pieces. And that's where I come in to help with the other pieces so that you can stay in your zone of genius. We get so messed up when we come out of our zone of genius and we've diverged from the flow. And a lot of times, too, many of us think, well, I can't afford that. And the bigger question is, and we've all heard it, can you, can you afford not to do that? Yeah. But yeah, so my time in the shoe store that day, I never would have imagined that that would have been the beginning of a whole new flow of understanding and opportunity and just being able to get grounded when life tries to and does, in fact, knock you off your horse, leave you in a ditch of mud, <laughs> because... Yeah, you actually said when we talked, and I outlined it because it was so, oh, it was so good. There were, there were two things you said that aligned and helped you find your best purpose. And one of them is that when you have a health challenge, you had a health challenge, yeah. right? And how you go and how death and these two things, death being one of them, health challenge being the other, and how that going down, down, down those rabbit holes, what you learned created the path for you to be as good as you are in what you do. You want to share a little bit about that? Um, of course. And thank you for asking that because I think that a lot of times we experience these times, but we don't associate them to actually happening for our best interest, right? Right. I, oh, I'm so glad you said that. Yeah, I was hoping you would say that because it happens for yes. us, not to us, right? That's what I'm learning with my Lyme disease because right now I'm like, ooh, yeah. this was a gift. Um. And to be able to say that loss, such a tragic, horrific loss that I experienced, that there would be a gift in it. My grandson yeah. was a gift in it. 
the fact that the three of us were able to become a beautiful family nucleus and some of the things that we shared, some of the exciting times, the trips that we've been on together and the things that we've done. You know, yes, there have been many gifts in it. And I have a friend of mine that talks, that actually teaches. She's a beyond loss mentor. And she teaches that there are over 40 loss events that we experience in life, many of which we experience more than once. And what we do with it is what determines how we grow personally. And it's like you said, when you look at these things happening, not to us, but for us, and then are able to ask, what is the gift that I'm to get out of this? You may not get an answer immediately, but you know that an answer will come. It's like, is that what happened for you though? Like when you, how did that happen for you? Or did you figure it out? Or did you find yourself in the situation and say, aha, now I turn this lever? It, like how did it that happened work for you? both ways. Immediately okay. I saw it's a gift for me to be able to spend this time with my grandson, to help him to know more about who his dad was, to share some of the stories about me and his dad and, the, you know, me, his dad and his sister. Because I was a single parent all of his life and most of my daughter's life. He was three months old when, you know, his father just had to go. I had to let him go. That was a tough place to be too. You know, I've got an infant and a two-year-old and a single parent. And, you know, what do I do with all of this happening for me? Are you kidding me? Right. Right. Doesn't look like that. So in the moment, you may not think that, but as quickly as you can get to thinking that, the better off you will be. To thinking that it's for you. Yes. Right? Yeah. 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 And I often talk about, too, you probably heard of Mel Robbins. Mel Robbins has this thing, her book, The Five-Second Rule. Five-Second Rule. Yep. I call it the five-second tool, and I don't just use it in five seconds because sometimes you know, we think, okay, I can get over this in five seconds. No, I can't. Well, let me ask you a question. If you had the choice to get over something, even how terrible it might've been in five seconds, would you? What about five minutes, five hours, five days, five months, five years? Which, what would you decide that you would rather do? You want to take five years to get over this thing? Or would you like to take five seconds because it is possible? And then I teach another tool that actually taps into the energy. Along with hypnosis, I was in a situation that I was almost in a really horrible car accident. And I was so shaken. And I had already learned about hypnosis and NLP. And I was doing tapping, right? Mm. And it was like, I don't have time in traffic. I don't have time to pull over and take 10 minutes or 20 minutes to get myself back. I need something. Send me something. The next morning I woke up out of a dream. And because I'd really been into studying tapping at the time, it involved tapping. And I call it the one tap solution. And it's not necessarily one tap, but it is one tapping location, one, one chakra, one acupressure point on the body. And it's the heart chakra. And, you know, if you're going to, if anything connects with everything within the body system, it's the heart. 
So tapping on the heart chakra, I was able to bring that thing in in 30 seconds. Man, that was hard. That was horrible. That was somebody could have gotten killed. And I'm so upset about it. And then I take a deep breath. But thank you. I am here. I am good. I am able to keep going on to the next thing. Take another deep breath in. And this is showing me that, you know, I can be my best self in spite of what just happened. And I am. It is. And so it is. Thank you, God. And that whole energy system has changed and not just in the mind, but everything in our bodies, because, you know, just because we say it's in our mind, it is felt and beliefs are ingrained in the mind, in the subconscious mind and in our physical bodies. And that is one way to open up the flow and allow things to not only get released, but bring in the right things. You know, I'm, I'm strong. I'm confident. I feel better now. Lynn, it seems like that also, because all the negative stuff or the beliefs we already have, which tend not to be for our benefit, it when you're doing this, it, it seems like it shuts down the ego a little bit. It does. Because the heart and, and you can't think the heart about and all the ego that. do not coexist. The heart okay. and the ego cannot coexist. Because when you have, like, for example, something so minute as somebody saying something to you that just hits you the wrong way or really gets to you and you get that you know how kind of permeates through your whole body and you get this feeling and i don't even know how to describe it and if you can do this technique right it can stop the whole thing and then you actually aren't you can then turn it into instead of being mad at that person pissed off at that person you know say bad words about this person you can now empathize maybe with this and person you can call in what you would like it to be you just don't understand right now and that's okay you're gonna get it we're gonna find common ground and that's part of the process you start off acknowledging what happened what brought this total disruption of energy in and in acknowledging it you've disconnected it from ego and you've taken it into a place of, and I call it flatlining. Mm. And then when you bring the energy back to it, it's, I'm okay, you're okay, we're okay, you know? And, or just like I finished saying, you just don't get it right now and that's okay. You'll get it, we'll figure it out, we'll find common ground. And whether you say it to that person for them to hear it, or you're saying it for, the energy to hear it, for the universe to hear it. It is what is bringing it, what's sending out and bringing in the positive that replaces any of the negative. And that's how our brains work. You know, the brain path, neural pathways talk to each other. There's a connection here. There's a connection here. There's a pathway here that connects mm -hmm. them. You can have a lot of stuff that's built on this neural charge and mm -hmm. a lot of stuff here. And if they're on the same, especially negative side, when they communicate, they're communicating negatively. Yeah. They're supporting each other and they're building on that. So when something happens and you can disrupt that, you're actually sending that 
those neurotransmitters to sleep. And that is part of the flatlining process that I talk about. That you can then, waking those neurotransmitters up again, you fused them with positive. A new memory, a new belief, a new thought. A new process. conversation, a new thought. Yes. I love that. So, Daylin, you, oh, there's so much good stuff here. So, people might be sitting back as I did when I first met you. So, like, so what do you do? So, give me, because you do so much, but how do you put all this into a package for someone? So, can you share, like, maybe an example of a client? And how this person came to you and how you helped them. I know you have a million, but <laughs> what, maybe there's one or two in particular that you're like, this made sense. Well, I'll share with you an early client, my shaman friend. She knew that she wanted to do so much more with getting Wait, her. She's a shaman. Why does she need any help? Well, she's she, a shaman. She's a practitioner. She didn't do business. Okay. Okay. So that her, okay. It's knowing your strengths, right? So, yes. okay. Yes. So, all right. So, you know, we started talking, you need a book. Your story is so compelling that you need a book. You need, and your book is a way for you to get in front of audiences, to tell your story, to share your heart about what it is that you want to do to impact the world. Don't so you're just you know, having this conversation with her? This Are was you just having a conversation. This was the conversation with her as I'm coaching her. She's teaching me this energy stuff. She did Reiki, so she's doing Reiki on me, and I'm teaching her the business stuff. And so we developed some packages for her to offer. She did some group programs. She wrote her book. Oh, wow. She actually did a bestseller launch and it was amazing. She was in New York. She got on the New York Times bestseller list. What's the name of this book, Phelan? Uh, oh my God. <laughs> so I can tell you the author. <laughs> yeah, tell us the author. Uh, Anna Maria Sanchez. Okay. And I don't know why that sounds familiar. But I see the cover just as plain as day. I couldn't call the name, but okay. let me tell you, she has spoken to the UN Senate subcommittee yeah. because her story was about trauma and abuse, but she has told her story. She's an advocate for girls and women who have been abused and helping them to find healing so her book is really her story, but she's got in it journaling opportunities. Like, what does this mean for you? Journal it right here. And, you know, questions that she's asking so that you can take that deep dive into self and really reflect on things. And taking the deep dive in means that when you come up, it's kind of like the baptism, you know, you go under with all of this stuff and you come up and the premise is that you've left it behind. And that's what her book offers. That's what her work does. And so you helped her cultivate the idea and the execution of the book. The idea of the book, she actually went to a book coach. I wasn't doing book stuff back then. I was just doing coaching. So she went to a book coach who actually was very good for her. 
And she pushed her and she would come back as her coach. She'd say, you know, I've got to do this. I've got to do that. And I was the one saying, you can do this. You okay. can do this. And this is how you do this. And let's really set the plan. I mean, prioritize. And exactly. Okay. She was having vision boarding events. And, you know, you just bring a stack of magazines. I've got everything else you need. So she had all the poster board and the colors and all that stuff. You, everybody contributed. Of course, we paid to go, but we right. contributed our magazines and we shared the magazine. If you start with your own and you finish, you just pass them on. And, but that is the kind of stuff that she so wanted to do. She found an office space. The building where she had her office space had a huge conference room. So she was able to do some of her events there. She partnered with a woman who had her own boutique. So her small groups she did at the boutique and the woman didn't charge her. She was just like, you know, if somebody comes in and they buy something, that's great, you know, because. It's exposure, right? Yeah. You help her kind of design all that, huh? I helped her to bring her ideas about what she wanted to do to life. Oh, I love that. Mm -hmm. Give us another example. So another example. I met this gentleman. He's a medical doctor, a practicing physician. Okay. He was 73, just turned 73. No, maybe it's mid 73 when I first met him. And he's like, I need somebody to help me with digital marketing. I got to show up more online. I want to do more speaking podcast shows and I want to speak. And he was an author. So COVID did a lot to us. But when we look at what COVID did for us, there are a lot of blessings that came out of what COVID did mm -hmm. from being able to see Mount Everest after 30 years of living, you know, 20 miles away and you couldn't even see it. Seeing the skyscrapers in LA that after, you know, however long you couldn't even see because of the smog to really finding family again. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that we're going to see the residual effects of negative residual effects of over the years, but they're, so much positive. You know, even when we think about the riots and the, you know, murders that have happened by, you know, people that are supposed to be protecting us. Mm -hmm. Things that have happened during COVID, if you focus on seeing what the negatives are, that's what you will see. When right. you focus on how can I get the most out of this? What can I do with what this has provided me? And this provided this doctor with time. Okay. Um, he started really practicing telehealth, telemedicine. And mm -hmm. so he had more time to do whatever. He's like, now I get to write my book. He wrote his book. Oh my God, this was amazing. So when I first met him, he's like, I'm going to, give you a copy of my book. I want you to read my book and then we can talk about whether or not we can work together. And I was like, okay. So open heart, the transformational journey of a doctor who 
after bypass surgery at 61, ran marathons and climbed mountains. This guy, after 61, ran the Boston Marathon, the Mumbai Marathon. He has done a triathlon. He has climbed Mount Kailash in Tibet. He has climbed Mount Kilimanjaro in Africa. Oh my gosh. Kilimanjaro, the highest standing mountain in the world, right? And so he's like, no, first I'm like, oh my God, I'm talking to this amazing man. I know. You must be thinking, why does he need me? He's doing all this stuff, right? And he had started, he worked getting himself on podcast shows and he's like, this is a lot of work. I need some help. Yeah. And so a friend of mine recommended me and he and I talked, I read his book and Wendy, I have to tell you, is one of the best books that I have read this year. Well, for a long time that I honestly remember recently reading. Great storyline. He is a very good storyteller. And the thing that I really like about it is he's found the fountain of youth. He knows what he did after bypass surgery that got him not only on the road to recovery, but on the road to his best health and his greatest wealth, living the life that he has always dreamed of. Imagine as a medical doctor, he had money, he had wealth. He and his family traveled. They did all of these great things, but he worked a lot. And he talks about how he spent his early years living what he thought was the life, but he didn't really even know what living a good life was all about. And he tells a story about how at 51, he had stents placed in his heart. And so you would think that somebody would recognize and decide to do something differently, right? Because he wasn't exercising, he wasn't eating right, he was eating whatever he wanted. And at that point in time, even after that, for five years after his stents, got put in. He was still doing what he had been doing. And he shows up one day and they said, we need to do bypass surgery and clean out your arteries. His arteries were so clogged, they had to use a precision drill. Yeah. It's like a roto-rooter. Yes. Yeah. They had to use a precision diamond tip drill to open his arteries. But he says that after that, he wanted to know how it happened, why it happened, And was there another way to go about fixing this situation? And he said he found all of his answers. And they were in a whole food, plant-based diet. Mm -hmm. And so in the book, he brings in that science. He brings in that understanding. He brings in the, the details, you know, what fruits and vegetables should you eat for this and this and this. and you know, what he really says is stuff like diabetes and heart disease and chronic illness are all foodborne diseases. And he's not the only one that says it. Nope. Decades of scientific evidence that proves. But our medical system won't accept it. And our pharmaceuticals don't want that. Because it cuts into their revenue stream. So how did you help him? So I've helped him to get on podcast shows. I help him with his social media. 
we've done events, book signing events, where he's done book readings. He's been on some major podcast shows. We're still trying to get him on stuff like Rich Roll and stuff like that, but he's on the path. And now yesterday, just yesterday, we secured a recording studio and a recording director who is working with him to read his book so that it can go on Audible because many of the people in the audiences that he's spoken to reading his book have said, is your book on Audible? Oh Oh, yeah, I'm an Audible gal. Me too. I, I don't have time to sit there and read it, but I'll listen all day long and I'll listen more than once. Exactly. Yeah, so I definitely would like him to do that ASAP. Well, we're working on it and we've actually got a deadline set. So it's going to be sooner than later. So I'm really excited about that. Would you say, V Lynn, that you're almost like an agent kind of for people, for their careers and for their. I'm a marketing director for him. Yes. Okay. I am a marketing director for him because he even has people who are now finding him and saying, you know, I'd love to interview you. He's like, talk to my marketing director. So that's been pretty cool. I mean, we're arranging to do a podcast show with 20, over 20,000 listeners in Australia. Nice. Out of Australia. We have some audience in Australia. Ireland. Yeah. And, you know, so he's, and his whole thing is, you know, I'm not the wealthiest man in the world, but I would rather all that I receive in the way of funding from this endeavor to go to charity. So he's picked three charities that all of the funds go to. And that's love it. St. Jude Children's Hospital, um, PETA, and American Heart Association because of his bypass surgery. Children, pets, hearts. Yeah. I love it. Yep. So, so yeah. And of late, he's really wanted to focus on, and if any of our listeners are out there and you're medical students and would like a medical doctor to come in and to talk to you and do a Q and a about nutrition and the foods that really impact certain diseases. Like we know that cruciferous vegetables, especially some types of cruciferous vegetables actually kill cancer cells and eradicate them from the body. Mm -hmm. And so he's done the research and he's worked on himself. And, you know, that's, that's the whole thing about evolving. And for me, this whole light worker stuff, I am out there like with you, I am out there. I do these things to help others. And I realize too, that my message is about how is it that we live a healthier more productive life? How is it that we have healthier relationships? And food is a, an integral, central point of contact, a central point of coming together, of camaraderie. And if we're eating things that are trying to kill us, what are we doing? We get re-educated and we do, you know, continuing education on so many things. Let's continue our education and learn the truth about what really serves us. It's so ironic because I'm work. I went off all my meds and I'm working with 
on my own, but I'm working with a person called Morley Robbins, who does the root cause protocol. We are going to be doing a whole series on this podcast about all of this, but it's all meshing. Everyone I'm speaking to and doing interviews right now, it's all coming down to, we need to know the truth. We need to understand what's happening. We need, so I found myself in the grocery store the other day, walking in the grocery store, I had to get some oranges and of course organic. And I'm looking and I'm, I got angry, like really angry at the grocery store. And I did the, look at this. They're killing us. Look at this stuff. Look, and then I thought, look at all this plastic. That's killing the environment. Look at all this. And we're, my whole family, we're trying to be plastic free by 2023. It's going to be hard, but we've already started. And I'm going to be sharing that in a podcast. But I was angry to my core that how are we supposed to combat this? And how do we get the truth out? And obviously, it's going to take doctors like this and that we're in this age, right? Mm -hmm. of Aquarius, as you were saying, mm -hmm. that's coming up and allowing this information to be heard. Whereas before we were under Pisces, you said for the last 2000 years. Yep. Under the energy, energy of Pisces. Of control. Pisces is a leadership style. And whether you want to admit it or not, we are all leaders of ourselves first. And how we influence others is really what speaks to our leadership style. Mm -hmm. And we have been for the last 2,000 years under the leadership style of command and control. Our education system was built on that. Our corporate systems have been built on command and control. Everything that we have seen in slavery was built on command and control. And in 1970, Pisces entered the cosmic system. And if this, I'm sorry, Aquarius entered Aquarius, yeah. the cosmic system. And if this has been Pisces, and it started out and it was moving at a really strong pace and speed, and it is veering off, it is moving out, kind of, you know, picture the airplane. And Aquarius is coming in and it's actually coming around. It went parallel for quite a while. And in 1970, Pisces was backing out. Aquarius was coming forward and the winter equinox, Aquarius came into full swing. What year? 2021? 2021. Okay. And All right. we have been moving in that direction and there's been a lot of talk about leadership, especially in the realm of where women are. Women's leadership is a big conversation now because the whole recognition of why aren't there more women in the boardrooms? Why aren't there more women CEOs? And why aren't women businesses doing better? And the reasoning behind it is because command and control did not want that to happen because they knew that a shift would occur. Now that we're in Pisces, the shift is occurring and we like will see the residual effects will be seen. And we've seen stuff like the overturning in the U.S. anyway, the overturning of Roe versus Wade is command and control making yet another attempt to hold on to the control that they gave themselves 
and that they know if they don't do some drastic things that they're going to lose. And regardless of doing these drastic things, they're still going to see their spaces diminishing. Not people, but the energy of command and control. And what you're going to find is that people are going to finally wake up and say, darn, why didn't I see that before? Well, it's brewing, whether we like it or not, it's brewing. And, you know, I've had many people on this podcast sharing that information. Let me ask you another question, because you have just so much insight in your light energy and you can just feel it. So what kinds of people work with you? What kind of like, what's your client base looking like? I know I did a hypnotherapy therapy session with you. And it was, mm-hmm. I've never done that before. And it was really cool. And I felt much lighter when I was done. I felt clearer. And I thought that was amazing. And we talked about a bunch of stuff. But so I worked just with that. But what are some other things like who seeks you out and why? So I do two things. And one we talked about, I do visibility and impact, business design, business development, and digital marketing for healthpreneurs. And these are health practitioners, health coaches, naturopathic doctors, physicians who are in the conversation of using lifestyle and food as medicine. So Mm -hmm. they are plant-based and or vegan really conscious about what goes into our body temples and how we're treating our environment. And as a digital marketer, it's promotional digital marketing. So I help them to focus on how to promote themselves or promote themselves because they've got a new program or product or whatever it is. Help them fine tune their message, right? Is what it sounds like. And Everything that is about promotion is about the message, right? Right, And with the message, part of understanding is that you cannot say the wrong thing to the right person and you cannot say the right thing to the wrong person. And when- Oh, wow, that's cool. Yeah, that's interesting. When you keep that in mind, you really get to focus on what you want to share from the heart because the people don't matter. Now, it is important to know your target audience, you know, to know who it is that you want to reach because you want to exponentially increase the opportunity for your message to land in the right places. But when you think about, I've got this book, well, what's the message that you want to share that will lead people to the book? Because a lot of Mm -hmm. times, you know, I want to do a book launch. Well, it's not really about the book. It's about the message. Message, yes. You know, it's not about the program. It's about the message. How are you helping people? How will they see that there's value in working with you? And so we unpack all of that and come up with the right messaging. We develop it into messages to share across your social media channels. Even if it's podcast shows, we help you to get guest appearances on podcast shows. We help you develop your speaker one sheet so that you can make it easy. If somebody comes to you here, let me send you my speaker one sheet. And then, you know, you really have an opportunity for somebody to know who you are and what your message is to be able to talk to you about whether or not they think you're a good fit for their audience. Right. 
because you always want to be that good fit for somebody's audience. I've had people to say, well, I'll talk to anybody. Well, yeah, no, 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 don't do no, that. Because your message yourself. will get lost on just anybody. It has to be the right group, right? Exactly. Exactly. What's the second? And the second thing is, I think I mentioned to you, I've been a certified hypnotherapist for eight years now, and I'm taking it to another level. I got a download that I needed to do more to help more women to understand the power that we have, the power that we have had since birth, what has brought us, whether we evolved into it or not, because I can tell you there are so many women who have spent time in their corporate careers that are now doing their passion work. And it's, you know, I say passion work because most of us really understand it, but it really is the work of the heart. It's they've done the work of the heart in order to do the work of the heart. Kind of like and the second one have, thing, right? Exactly. 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 And now these, and what I'm and finding I, is I've had a few younger women on and it's got to be because of this Aquarius thing who are finding that passionate thing that they want to do and incorporate into their lives now. And that's got to be part mm -hmm. of that Aquarius energy when you say that they're younger and they can latch into that. It is. And I say it's the era of the open heart and mm. that open hearts, open hearts. So if you're bringing to the world a message it has to come from an open heart. A lot of times we get stuck up here, you know, mm -hmm. and we need to be up here sometimes to design and formulate, but then we have to drop it down into our hearts in order to articulate it. That's how energy flows. Okay. Everything that comes out of our mouths, whether we like it or not, really comes from the heart. So, you know, I tell that to my friends who have a start sarcastic sense of humor. I'm like, that's coming out of your heart. Are you sure? But, you know, and some of them really look at it and can, I don't want to say clean up what it is that they say, but they don't say it as often or they don't say stuff that really has that negative. That little bite. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. And you know, like, I was just going to say, it goes to how we talk to ourselves too. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, you idiot. Why did you do that? No, you're not an idiot. And we all make mistakes. You know, yeah, we have to treat ourselves like how we talk to ourselves is how we would talk to our best friend. Exactly. If you can remember to do that. Exactly. Right. I think it's you that told me that. Somebody told me that. I feel like it was exactly. you. Exactly. That's interesting. If you had one, and it can be more than one, but if something that has, you can look back and say, has really been that, that thing, that mantra, that feel good thing that keeps you going, what would that be? That feel good thing that keeps me going is the knowledge that I'm not perfect. And I'm doing the best that I can. And I can be happy with that. Mm -hmm. You know, and I used to think that I needed to say a lot more than that. 
But I really think that that sums it up for me because I have been that one that's been the people pleaser. I've been that one that has worked 10 times harder than everyone else just to be able to have a word or sit in the room. And Mm -hmm. I realize now that first of all, life is too short. And second of all, was that really the right room? It was for that point in time. But the rooms that I sit in now are very different. Yeah. And I have a place of prominence and respect and contribution and collaboration. And those are the rooms that I want to sit in. Ah, that's so good. That's so good. <laughs> oh, Vilin, thank you so much. How can people find you? You can find me, and this is fascinating too. I've had so many people ask me that, and you can Google V. Lynn Hawkins and find me. But Ooh, you can that's exciting. <laughs> you can find me at p3academy.com. And that's P, the letter P, the number three, academy.com. And the P has this really unique significance too because it started out being passion and purpose to profits. And then as profits became something that I'm really in tune with as it relates to why do business if you're not in the frame of deriving profits and deriving profits. Deriving is really in the energy of creating profits so that you can do more. You know, when you have more, you can do more. And then it became purpose and planning to prosperity. And you got a purpose, you know what your purpose is. And if you're evolving into what the real meaning of your purpose is, it requires planning to know where you wanna go, what the results are that you wanna get and who you wanna impact. And so in between planning and prosperity, become implementation and impact. So it's really P-P-I-I-P, but those are the three P's. And then I just got Identity Leadership by Stedman Graham, and he's got P3s. Oh, interesting. Purpose, planning, and performance. And, you know, I just have grown such an attachment to being unattached but understanding that the flow is where you want to go and flow takes into account what creates it, what builds it, what sustains it, and the results that you get. Oh my gosh, that's like, here we are, full circle from my beginning is finding your, how you change your thinking to finding, well, then changing your life, which is the planning part, and then implementing it. You're changing your life by implementing, and then you're finding who you are and your purpose. Mm -hmm. And the impact that you can make. In your purpose. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Phelan, thank you so much for your time today. So many awesome things for people to take away from this. And I appreciate you and your time. I'm so glad we could make this work finally. We've been at this for many, many months between 
mostly my fault, you know, not feeling well, or I'm stuck doing something else, or I can't get online, you know, whatever the, but I think today we were supposed to talk today. We were. the energy I felt, and I saw this yellow butterfly flew back into this window. And it did that yesterday when I was talking to a woman who's a healer and an angel guide, spirit guide. And she had said, well, that's your father who shows up. And I just was like, oh my gosh, it came again. Like, how does this happen? And, and that just makes me feel like I'm on the right path. Yes. And like you know, you get I, your downloads. I just want to go back for a moment to talk about yes. that second thing, because I'm not sure we really got it, but it is hypnosis. So mm. I am about to launch a hypnosis program that mm. is six weeks and it actually touches on six different topics and it includes the imposter syndrome, overwhelm, overworking, under earning, getting your voice. There are a couple other things that come in, but it really, it's about creating flow in your life and in your work by eliminating the limiting beliefs, the truths that we thought were truth, but were really lies that we were told or we interpreted from things happening to us that today we know they're not true, but we have to go through a process to really to tell our subconscious minds. Yeah. It's still a roadblock. It's still a block. So how do we sign up for that? Well, if you go to my website, you will see the page about the hypnosis and it's my best you program. I do a six week program and I do a 12 week program. Okay. And they are both there. I would love to. So I'm actually going to start doing a couple of webinars, free webinars to let people kind of get a taste of what we'll be doing and actually be able to enroll. But my goal is even with the digital marketing, you know, when we have this stuff that has happened to us and we don't understand whether it's, you know, why did that happen to me? And why did I interpret it that way? Why did I spend the rest of, you know, decades of my life believing this that wasn't true? And I'm here now and it's really creating some stuff in me that I know I have to deal with, but I don't yeah. know how. I remember a long time ago, a friend of mine told me, you know, you have everything within you to make things right with your life. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we all hear that. Well, if I do, then, you know, I must need some help getting it out. You know, it's like going fishing in the pond. It's like you can't get anything without the fish pole or a spear. So give me something. And that has been the work that I've been doing has been about being the something, being the tool to help women to release that stuff and bring in what really serves and empowers and allows us to move in our strength, courage, and wisdom to really do the work that we're here to do, the passion and purpose that we're really here to live. You're bridging the gap. Yep. Well, I love it. Leland, thank you for adding that. I'm glad you said that. Good, good, good. That's good because obviously I'm going to check out that course okay. for sure. Love it. That would be fun.
So thank you again. Thank you, Wendy. This has been amazing. And I love the work that you are doing. You are such an important part of all of it. Because without you, we would be missing those who are finding you. And our sharing our messages would not reach them. So thank you for stepping up and doing what you do. That's so nice. Thank you so much. It means a lot to me. And until next time, breathe in your second wind. Thank you for listening today. I hope that something you heard made you smile, made you think, and made you feel. If these incredible stories empowered you, awakened you, or left you feeling inspired, make sure to share with a friend and write us a review on iTunes so we can continue to change lives through this content. Make sure you tag us while you're listening on our Facebook group, My Second Wind, or hit the link in the show notes to join the conversation. Until next time, go ahead and breathe in your second wind.